When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. I filter through the garbage, the media hype, the lies, and take you directly to the truth. This is my recipe for thought gumbo. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, the day after Racist Columbus Day. (laughs) It is Tuesday, October 13th, 2020, and this is the Truth Hurts Program, and I'm your lovable, venerable, honorable host, Steve Z. We've got a lot to talk about today, and we're going to get right to it right after this. Steve Z is saying what you know you are thinking, only with a really cool DJ voice. The truth hurts. Well, the voice isn't that cool, but it does kind of remind me of a DJ. (laughs) 13th day of October. We are exactly three weeks away from the November elections where you, the American people, will have to decide whether you want to put gropey, dopey, mopey, Joe, touchy-feely, racist Beijing Biden in the White House with Camel Toe Harris. Did I pronounce that right? Camel, Camel, Camel Toe? Camel Toe. Camel Toe. Camel Toe Harris. Yeah, we'll just go with that. In the White House as the vice president. And with naughty, nasty Nancy Pelosi contemplating changing the rules of the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, it won't be long before Camel Toe Harris moves Joe out to the retirement home. Let's pray to God he doesn't go to one in New York that... Uh, that Andrew Cuomo has sent a bunch of people with COVID-positive diagnoses. But anyway, they'll move him out to the old retirement home for senile and demented people. Camel Toe Harris will ascend to the big chair at the White House, and then nasty Nancy Pelosi will become your new vice president. Following a visit from Hillary Clinton to the White House to visit with Nancy Pelosi, the vice president, something will happen. Perhaps Camel Toe Harris will commit suicide like so many other people that have been influenced by Hillary Clinton. And then nasty Nancy Pelosi will become your new president, at least for a little while. It's all part of a big plot, folks, and if you don't believe it, when it does happen, you'll be calling me going, hey, dude, I had no idea you knew what you were talking about, D. I thought you were some kind of nut job, but uh, apparently you were right. Anyway... <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. It's uh, it's one of those mornings. Uh, Joe Biden has often accused Donald J. Trump of being a racist. You know, Donald Trump, the guy who reduced African-American unemployment to its lowest levels in the history of our nation. You know, Donald Trump, the racist, who gave more money 
and authorized more U.S. funding to historic black colleges and universities, which I don't agree with, but he did, so you can't call him a racist. The man who increased the minority job participation rate to its highest level in recorded history. That means he put more black folk to work and on the taxpayer side of the equation than, and he did that in three years, by the way, than uh, Joe Biden and Barack Hussein Obama did in eight years. Yeah, yeah, he's a racist. So let's talk about Joe Biden's racism for just a moment. These are the top seven Joe Biden racist rhetoric comments that I've been able to find. Joe Biden is the gift of gaff, not the gift of gab. And he's the gift that keeps on giving. He said, what President Trump has done in his spreading of racist is the way he deals with people based on the color of their skin, their national origin, where they're from is absolutely sickening. No sitting president has ever done this. Never, never, never. No Republican president has done this. No Democrat president. We've had racists and they've existed. They've tried to get elected president. He's the first one who has. That's what Joe Biden said. And it almost made for complete and coherent sentences. But that's pretty strong words for Joe Biden, a man who praised former KKK Grand Klegel, you know, Mr. Robert Byrd, as his mentor, praising him. He also praised George Wallace, the racist governor of Georgia from back in the day, as, quote, someone who's not afraid to stand up and offend people, someone who wouldn't just pander, but would say what the American people know in their gut is right. Yeah, he was a racist. Joe Biden also worked with other segregationist Democrats to fight federally mandated desegregation of schools through the use of busing. Biden clearly tries to deflect attention away from his own racism by lobbying ridiculous accusations against Trump, of whom we have no evidence of any racism. Now, while many have jumped on the Trump is a racist bandwagon, no evidence exists to prove that Donald Trump is a racist. Accusations of racism against Trump have become fashionable. And once he started publicly criticizing Barack Hussein Obama, when he decided to run for president as a Republican, well, that's when the poo-poo hit the fan. Remember, prior to his entrance into politics, Trump had a record of service in the private sector that quite clearly contradicts any and all allegations of racism. In fact, in 1986, Donald Trump was awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor, along with who? Rosa Parks and Muhammad Ali, both of whom were criminals during their lives. Rosa Parks, that is, and Muhammad Ali. But Trump was awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor for a celebration of patriotism, tolerance, brotherhood, and diversity. In 1999, Jesse Jackson praised Donald Trump as a friend who embraced underserved communities. This at a Rainbow Push Coalition event. So, for your listening pleasure, I would like to include my top seven racist comments made by Joe Biden. I'm also going to omit the times that he actually used the N-word 
Use the word, the entire word, instead of the phrase, the N-word. He did that when he was quoting someone else's Senate hearings remarks, but he could have said N-word instead of, you know, saying the whole word. They say we in a double G-E-R, we are much more, still we choose to ignore the obvious. Number seven. Joe Biden's comments about desegregation and his kids growing up in a, quote, racial jungle, 1977. Biden has a decades-long record of opposing busing and desegregation. And back in 1977, during a congressional hearing on anti-busing legislation, Biden joined with segregationists in the fight, saying he wanted to, quote, ensure we do have an orderly integration of society, and he pointed out that he was not just talking about education, but all of society. And then he said, quote, unless we do something about this, my children are going to grow up in a jungle. The jungle being a racial jungle with tensions having built so high that it's going to explode at some point. We have got to make some move on this, unquote. He did not want black kids bust into his white district. And he certainly did not want his white children to be bust across them tracks over there to the hood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Number six. His bizarre praise of Senator Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama in February of 2007. Remember, Biden's 2008 presidential campaign got off to a rocky start way back in 2007 when he tried to defend the remarks he made about his future running mate, a first-term, inexperienced community shit-stirrer, excuse me, community organizer named Barack Obama, or at least that's the name he was going by at the time. After all, his student ID says Barry Sotero, but we won't go there. Quote, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice-looking guy. I mean, that's storybook, man. Unquote. In other words, it's very odd to Joe Biden to see a clean, bright, nice-looking, articulate black man. I guess Joe Biden be thinking everybody black be talking like this here and there and got no intelligence, you know what I'm saying? And this dude come along and he be nice and clean and bright and you can understand him because he articulate and he a nice looking guy. And that is storybook, man. You know, that's like fairy tale, you heard? Way to go, Joe Biden, you racist. I want you to know that when Joe Biden tells you that Barack Obama was the first African-American to run for president, he obviously has had mental lapses. Remember, Jesse Jackson ran in 1984 and 1998. Alan Keyes ran in 92, 96, 2000, and 2008. Carol Mosley Braun and Al Sharptung ran in 2004. But perhaps they wasn't articulate or clean enough for Joe Biden's standards, you heard? Maybe they was, you know, not storybook. Maybe they were just black folk that Joe Biden didn't think would qualify, you heard? Biden's so-called compliment of Barack Hussein Obama didn't sit well with many people for obvious 
racist implications. And Biden actually had to issue a statement to clean up that shit show. He said, quote, I deeply regret any offense my remark in the New York Observer might have caused anyone. It was not my intent, and I expressed that to Senator Obama. He later claimed the comment was taken out of context, which is what Democrats do when they get caught saying something stupid. Oh, it was taken out of context. Oh, and I'll be talking about that and Dr. Fauci's lie about being taken out of context coming up in the next segment. Barack Obama, he said, is perhaps the most exciting candidate that the Democratic or Republican Party has produced at least since I've been around. And he's fresh, he's new, he's smart, he's insightful. And I really regret that some have taken totally out of context my use of the word clean. It wasn't taken out of context because you know you don't think black folks are clean, Joe Biden. You racist Number five, Joe Biden is an anti-Semite. He doesn't like the Jews, which is ironic because a lot of them voted for him. Biden said during remarks at the 40th anniversary of the Legal Services Corporation convention, quote, that's one of the things that he finds was most in need of when he was over there in Iraq for a year, that people would come to him and talk about what was happening to them at home in terms of foreclosures, in terms of bad loans that were being I mean, those Shylocks took advantage of um, these women and men while overseas. Shylocks is a N-word to the Jewish community. It truly is. It's like saying the N-word. It's like saying gooks for Vietnamese or chinks for Chinese or dotheads for folks from India, Pakistan. You racist Joe Biden. The term Shylock is an anti-Semitic slur, as defined by the Anti-Defamation League. Biden was rebuked by that group for using the slur, and once again, Biden had to pull his shoe out of his mouth and publicly apologize for his, quote, poor choice of words, unquote. But there were no protests, no riots, no cities got burned down. The Jews didn't put on flaming red yarmulkes and run down the street with torches calling for Jew lives matter. It was simply, I made my apology and you have to accept it. Of course, who could forget 2019 in August when Joe Biden compared poor kids to white kids. During a campaign speech in Iowa, hosted by the Asian and Latino Coalition, Joe Biden implied that poor kids are all non-white. He said, quote, we should challenge students in these schools We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright, just as talented as white kids. After a brief pause and perhaps someone whispering it in his earpiece, Biden realized just how effed up he had just sounded. How bad it sounded. He uh, just suddenly interjected, wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. No, no, I really mean it. But think about how we think about it. And as usual, Biden's campaign issued a statement claiming he simply misspoke. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. Oops. I really mean it, but think how we think about it. We think now we're going to dumb it down. 
They can do anything anybody else can do. Give it a shot. You know, the reason we're the country we are is we're a nation of immigrants. It's not a, not exactly. It's, it's, it's not because I'm standing with you, but it's a fact. It's a fact. We've been able to cherry pick the single best of every single solitary culture in the world from every continent in the world. That's why we're who we are. We because to get up and decide to come to the United States, whether it was 200 years ago or two days ago, takes a whole heck of a lot of courage, takes a lot of resilience, takes a lot of determination. Way to try to cover that ass, Gropey Joe. And then who could forget the comment about 7-Elevens and Dunkin' Donuts way back in 2006. This man has a history, a long-running history of racism. When Joe Biden made his previous failed attempt at running for president, he made a cringeworthy comment. It's a wonder that Barack Obama ended up choosing him as a running mate because Biden appeared on the C-SPAN program Road to the White House, where he was seen shaking hands with a voter and bragging about his support from the Indian American community. That's dot, not feather. He said, quote, I've had a great relationship. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking, Biden said. Take a listen. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a point. I'm not joking. And in July 2020, he gave his racist reason why you can't hold China accountable for the Kung Flu, the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019. He said during a virtual campaign event, because, you know, he can't go out in public, he's too frail, that Trump is wrong to hold China accountable for COVID-19 because Americans aren't able to distinguish, quote, between a South Korean and someone from Beijing, unquote. I guess all them chanks look alike to you, don't they, grope at your buy-in. I guess all them Chinese and Japanese and Korean and Filipinos, all them. Uh, I guess them Hawaiians look the same to you too, don't they? Huh, Joe? All them Hawaiians, they all look the same, don't they? Take a listen. Look what he's doing now. He's blaming everything on... On, on on China, he's blaming everything on the Chinese. He's blaming everything, and people don't make a distinction, as you well know, when a South Korean and, a, and someone from Beijing, they make no distinction. It's Asia, and that's the way. He, and he's just using it as a wedge. <laughs> hey, way to go, Joe! Way to go, you racist, you. And of course, if you don't know whether you're going to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. A couple of months ago, during an appearance on the Breakfast Club radio show with Charlemagne the God, Biden made a racist comment implying that black Americans aren't really black if they don't vote for him. The host, who has probably one of the dumbest names I've ever heard, Charlemagne the God, said, quote, listen, you gotta come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. It's a long way until November. We got a lot more questions. Biden says, you got more questions? Well, I'll tell you what, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. (laughs) 
Biden was widely criticized for his comments. Senator Tim Scott, an African-American Republican senator, for example, called it, quote, the most arrogant, outrageous comment that I've heard in a very long time. Tim Scott continues, and President Trump comes along and through his criminal justice reform corrects the absolute mistakes made by Joe Biden. 1.3 million African-Americans voted for Trump, Scott continued. He's saying to 1.3 million African-Americans that you are not black? Who in the heck does he think he is? That is the most arrogant, outrageous comment that I've heard in a very long time, and I take offense to that, unquote. Senator Lindsey Graham remarked, quote, Liberals believe you really can't be black, Latino, female, or intelligent unless you support their liberal agenda. Criticism over the racist remarks eventually prompted Joe Biden to apologize, saying, but it really was a half-assed non-apology. Take a listen to this. He said, quote, I shouldn't have been such a wise guy, unquote. See, when you're a Democrat, all it takes is an apology or a walk back to make racism go away. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. Come on, man. Critically, you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Today. I know you have. Yeah. You don't know me. No, I don't. That's why I want to get to know you today. I want to get to know you today. Um, I want to talk to you about mostly black stuff. I get overwhelming support from the black leadership, young and old. Every poll shows me way ahead. And black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is I'll that pander. I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. We've seen it more clearly now. In a, in a black majority county, they're six times more likely to die in a pandemic than a white county. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African-American community, disproportionately make up the essential jobs that they, that they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. What's, what's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just sauce. Really? You yeah. Yeah. Hillary Clinton. Really? Are yeah. you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce wow. in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know, people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is. Okay. Is it working? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Hillary Clinton, a little bonus for you there at the end. When she was asked, what's one thing you always carry in your backpack? She said to a group of black people, hot sauce. And they're like, hot sauce? You realize you pander into black people. She says, is it working? Oh, my God. They're, they're the gift that just keeps on giving. Racist Democrats. And they get away with it because all they have to do is walk it back and apologize. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. Warning. The Truth Hurts with Steve Z can be addictive. Tell your friends. I've been getting some quite positive feedback on the Truth Hurts program with me, your host, Steve Z. My buddy Chad, my buddy Jason, my buddy Neil, my buddy Robert, 
Curtis, and the rest of you who call in and send me texts of encouragement, thank you very much. It means a whole lot to me going on. Earlier, I promised you that I would call out some of Dr. Anthony Fauci's double standards and lies, and the fact that now he is doing another 180, and now he's claiming that Donald Trump should not have used a statement in an ad that was, quote, taken out of context, unquote. By now, you've all heard the name Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is supposedly the nation's top infectious disease expert. And he said the Trump campaign needs to take down a, quote, completely out of context ad, unquote, that features Fauci seemingly praising the president's response to the pandemic. Dr. Fauci told CNN's Jake Tapper on Monday, quote, I think it's really unfortunate and really disappointing that they did that. It's so clear that I'm not a political person and I never either directly or indirectly endorsed a political candidate. And to take completely out of context statement and put it in what is obviously a political campaign ad, I thought was really disappointing. The ad was released last week as Trump was discharged from the Walter Reed Medical Center and gave a positive spin to COVID-19 diagnosis of President Trump. The narrator for the ad says, President Trump is recovering from the coronavirus and so is America. Together we rose to meet the challenge, protecting our seniors, getting them life-saving drugs in record time, sparing no expense. Then the ad cuts to an undated clip of an interview with Fauci where he says, quote, I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. But taken in context, Fauci's comments given during a March interview with Fox News were referring to his efforts alongside the White House Coronavirus Task Force to respond to the pandemic when it was still in the early stages in the United States. Well, let me stop for a second. The White House Coronavirus Task Force was enacted by who? President Donald Trump and his administration and Vice President Mike Pence, part of Trump's cabinet, is the head of the Coronavirus Task Force, Dr. Fauci. So you were indeed praising the efforts of the president. Fauci says, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I've been devoting almost full time on this. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone throughout the day and into the night. And when I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. That's his direct quote. Now, let's break that down. Since the beginning that we even recognized what this was... I have been devoting almost full time on this. Since the beginning, I thought, since the beginning, Trump didn't do anything about it. But he did. He locked down the nation. Then he formed a task force. And then he put his vice president in charge of that task force. So then Fauci says, I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the who? Oh, the task force. I'm connected by phone throughout the day and into the night and 12, 1, 2 in the morning. And I'm not the only one. Right. You're not the only one, Dr. Fauci. 
Vice President Mike Pence and the rest of the task force are also in it every day till 12, 1, 2, 3, 4 in the morning. No, you are correct, Dr. Fauci. You are not the only one. The task force enacted by President Donald Trump is there. You're just part of that team. When you say there's a whole group of us doing that, you are again correct, Dr. Fauci. Mike Pence is also one in that group. It's every single day, so I can't imagine that under any circumstances that anyone could be doing more, Fauci said at the time. That's correct. Donald Trump did what needed to be done, and Dr. Fauci cannot imagine that anyone could be doing any more. How the hell is that taken out of context? These are Fauci's own words. So, I also have for your listening pleasure an interview by conservative radio commentator Mark Levin with actual excerpts of the interview that he conducted with Anthony Fauci that he didn't even get credit for on Fox News when CNN screwed the pooch yet again and tried to give Fox News credit for that interview when it was done on Mark Levin's show. So I will give credit to Mark Levin where no one else had the balls to do so. Take a listen to this interview. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you a question. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been... Uh, there are a number of adjectives to be described. Impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck. Is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full time on this, almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone uh, throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be try- doing more. I mean, obviously, we're, we're fighting a formidable enemy this virus. This virus is, 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 a, is a serious issue here. So there you have it. Dr. Fauci is not taken out of context. He said what he said. There was the entire section of the interview right there. The complete, unedited, uncensored question where he says that he is not alone. He is part of a task force, part of a team that was put together by Donald Trump and that nobody could have done it better. So now, because some Democrats have questioned him on CNN, you know, the network that gives him lots and lots of airtime, he wants to say it was taken out of context. Well, you've now heard the entire context. So Dr. Fauci, who changes his mind with the blowing of the wind, you have been proven wrong and wanting yet again. This is the Truth Hurts program. President Trump is recovering from the coronavirus, and so is America. Together, we rose to meet the challenge, protecting our seniors, 
getting them life-saving drugs in record time, sparing no expense. President Trump tackled the virus head-on, as leaders should. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. We'll get through this together. We'll live carefully, but not afraid. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. The exact same sentence used in the Mark Levin interview, which was aired on Fox News, and all of this coming from the same little weasel who has backpedaled telling you don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, because he, like Joe Biden, can't make up his damn mind. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Telling you exactly what you need to hear. The truth. Here's your host, Steve Z. There are 22 days left before Election Day. And then, of course, countless weeks of the bullshit that's going to come with regard to mail-in ballots. Where will we find mail-in ballots? Will there be more found in dumpsters and ditches and creeks and garbage cans and buried in storage units, sitting in people's cars in the trunks of their vehicles? Who knows? It's going to be a fun and exciting and very chaotic time beginning November 3rd and ending hopefully sometime before December 3rd. But this year's election rings very familiar to that of the hanging chads when Al Gore decided to challenge votes in the great state of Florida. The best way, of course, to combat this would be for everybody to just simply go out and vote to re-elect your president, Donald J. Trump, remembering, of course, the first three and a half years of his administration where things were humming along without any Democrat interference. <laughs> yeah, right. The Democrats spent the first three and a half and have continued on into the latter half of the fourth year of his term, doing everything they can to unseat the duly elected president, Donald J. Trump. They tried the Russian hoax. They tried hookers peeing on beds. They tried Ukraine hoax. They tried phony FISA warrants. They actually spied on the Trump campaign, all to divert your attention away from Hillary's emails, Joe Biden's actual Ukraine extortion deals, his son's multi-million dollar benefits from the office of the vice president of gropey Joe Biden, all of Biden's racist gaffes and all the others, they couldn't get him. And now here we are at the 11th hour with 21 days left to go before the election, three weeks. In three weeks, it will be Tuesday, November 3rd. My fear, of course, is that the popular vote will be counted state by state by state and all the media networks will have their running tickers and their evaluations and their late night television news hosts reporting the numbers as they come in. And just like some kid who says, whoever has the most marbles wins, finds out how many marbles little Donnie has, then he runs back to his wagon and brings out more marbles at the end and says, see, I've got more marbles than you, I win. The Democrats are going to do the same thing. Let's say Trump wins by 10 million votes nationwide on election night. 
Guess what happens the very next week as the mail-in ballots start magically arriving and magically appearing? They'll find 12,500,000 mail-in Democrat votes. Now, they won't find any Republican mail-in votes, mind you. They'll all be Democrat votes because they think you're too stupid to figure that one out. Or maybe they'll sprinkle in a few Trump votes. Just a few. That's what's going to happen, boys and girls. You can mark my words on it. And that is my fear of how they will steal the upcoming election and end the America that we know and love. Yesterday on the program, I spoke about the World Health Organization, the highly respected scientific community, and their response to the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019, better known as the Kung Fu Wuhan flu. Two days ago, Andrew Mark Miller wrote in the Washington Examiner, WHO official urges world leaders to stop using lockdowns as a primary virus control method. The article begins, the World Health Organization Special Envoy on COVID-19 urged world leaders this week to stop using lockdowns as your primary control method. We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of control of this virus, said Dr. David Nabarro to the spectators Andrew Neal. He said, quote, the only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Navarro went on to point out several of the negative consequences that lockdowns have caused around the world, including, of course, devastating tourism industries and increasing hunger and poverty around the globe. He said, quote, just look at what happened to the tourism industry in the Caribbean, for example, or in the Pacific because people aren't taking their holidays. Look what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition." Unquote. Earlier this week, thousands of medical experts signed their names to a petition calling for the end of coronavirus lockdowns, citing the, quote, irreparable damage, unquote, that they, the lockdowns, have caused. As infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. That is a direct quote from the petition known as the Great Barrington Declaration. Here in the good old USA, lockdowns have been tied directly to increased thoughts of suicide in children and adults, surges in drug overdoses, an uptick in domestic violence, and in a study conducted in May, 
it was concluded that stress and anxiety from lockdowns could destroy seven times the years of life that lockdowns potentially save. Remember when the Democrats kept calling on Donald Trump to, quote, follow the science, follow the scientists, the medical experts? Wake up, Democrats. Trump was right all along. The World Health Organization has confirmed that your stupid lockdown of cities is indeed a threat to public health and well-being around the globe. Are you listening, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York? Are you listening, Governor Newsom in California? Are you listening, John Bell Edwards, the governor of Louisiana? Mayor LaToilette Cantel in New Orleans? Are you listening to the science? Are you listening to the experts in the medical field who agree 100% with your president, Donald Trump, that the lockdowns are causing bigger problems than they are resolving? Of course you're not listening because your entire focus is to get rid of Donald Trump. When the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019 was first mentioned as a potential spreader event in the United States, Donald Trump swung into action immediately and shut down travel from China. He mentioned what needed to be done in his State of the Union address, but nasty Nancy Pelosi chose to tear up the address in a childish fit of anger like a little girl who got mad and pouted and tore it in half. Wah, wah, wah. And then she spent the next two months trying to impeach the president, who was already on the front lines, convening a task force, including scientists, medical experts, epidemiologists, infectious disease professionals, and addressing the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus 2019 head-on. He placed Mike Pence in charge of the task force. He put the Presidential Production Act into play and made ventilators and respirators. He directed federal funds to cities to put temporary COVID-19 hospitals in place. He directed two massive Navy hospital ships to each coast to the larger cities and they were not used they were not needed they were a product of overhype overreporting exaggerated fear-mongering on the part of the democrats and their liberal media counterparts and let me tell you something boys and girls the dumb people in this country still think donald trump didn't do enough because if you hear a lie so many times, you actually start to believe it. And when CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, MSNBC, HLN, and even C-SPAN jump on the Democrat bandwagon with their counterparts at the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, the Atlanta Constipation Journal, and other liberal Democrat-run newspapers, when they all get together and keep chanting and repeating the same lie over and over and over again, people 
start to believe it. Think about the Pina Colada song. You think it's this sweet song about a guy who rediscovers his passion for his longtime love. And he finds out that they both like the same things. And you hear it repeated over and over and over. But when you look at the song for what it was really written as, he didn't like his old lady anymore. He was looking for something new. He was looking for some strange. And so was she. Because guess what? They both put ads in the newspaper. Back then, that's the way you did it. You didn't flash your boobies on Tinder or show your Senator Wiener on Spotify or whatever the social platform is these people are using now. It wasn't Backpage. It wasn't Tinder. It wasn't Our Time. It wasn't FarmersOnly.com. All we had was a newspaper. And these two people putting ads and responding to ads in the local paper, trying to find something new. But if you hear the song enough, if you like pina coladas, it's catchy. And you hear it enough, you'll be humming that tune all day. And if you hear Trump didn't do enough for the coronavirus enough times, it starts playing in your head like a song. And to the dumb Democrats, well, they believe it. Some of you have asked, well, how can I get your podcast to my friend or my family member? To some people on my personal phone list, I send out a text when I produce a new program. However, I can't send out a personal text to the entire world. I don't have their numbers. The best way to find the Truth Hurts program is to simply type in your favorite web browser, Steve Z, The Truth Hurts. You could spend time in traffic listening to some biased local or national talk show. You could listen to that same song one more time. You could engage in mundane conversation with your carpool buddy. Or you could even sit there quietly pondering the meaning of life. Boring. How about listening to the Truth Hurts program with me, Steve Z? I provide some welcome distraction from the canned scripts of the national networks, and I talk about the real issues of today. Best of all, it's free, and you can listen anytime on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Spotify, Overcast, or many others. Or simply type in The Truth Hurts Steve Z into your web browser, and you can listen to all of what you know you're thinking right on your computer or smartphone. It's like having that conversation around the water cooler without the leaky water cooler. And that's going to do it for this morning edition of the Truth Hurts program for your Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. I hope you all go out and make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Hello, everyone. This is Sam from Sam Street Services. Has someone graffitied your street with some offensive letters or slogans? Do you have a large offensive phrase painted on the road in front of your white house or your hotel? Have people painted stupidity on the brick wall of your Graceland? Give us a call. We can provide you with clean street, a blank canvas, or even some other less savory solutions for your tagging problem. 
We've spilled large amounts of paint on the streets in front of several movements. And we've also spilled porta potty blue juice and fecal spray on tagged roadways nationwide. We've whitewashed over nasty hate messages in places from the hood to Hollywood. So give us a call at Sam's Street Services. We just emptied out 212 portable toilets from the San Antonio Hellfire Chili Cook-Off, and we're just itching to dump that black and blue liquid on some protest-painted street near you. It won't smell too good, but neither does the BM that caused that painting in the first place. Sam's Street Services. Find us on the dark web. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, and that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. And that's how it works. If you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, you can either turn it off, or you could listen a little longer and maybe learn something. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2020 Steve Knight Productions. All rights reserved. We'll see you next time.